Welcome to Keeping Score. I'm Rick Haro. Each week we bring you insights from the playmakers, dealmakers, and rule makers in the world of sports. I'll give you my take on some of the items of the week using my 30 years of experience doing deals for teams, leagues, and players in the $750 billion business of sports. Plus, we'll talk with a central figure in the sports world. The views expressed in this podcast are my own and do not represent the views of Reuters. Let's get started. Uh, Late summer, I'm not a meteorologist, but it is important from the sports world to know that baseball is coming up on its second half and NFL preseason games beginning, hockey and basketball just around the corner, golf's last major. We covered all digital editor Amy Tenery and sports guru. How are we? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Rick? I'm wonderful, a little wistful, because where did the summer go? I'm actually driving to Green Bay to watch the first preseason game with the Packers in the summer, something we did last year on community ownership, something I always love. But let's start with baseball. Yes. Second half of the season intensifying, and, of course, all the kids are getting ready to go back to school. There's a company called Everfy, which is the world's education leader online. They have a summer slugger program where... 15 of the teams, and Joe Torre, the chief baseball officer, and Rob Manford are all saying, look, you're a lot dumber at the end of the summer than you are at the beginning because you forgot a lot of the stuff, and Major League Baseball is supporting the idea that they go ahead and try to get together with continuing education for kids during the summer, Uh, not only nonprofit, but a good example of baseball keeping the heat on, so to speak, for all the teams to keep interest going during the summer, what, what's your what's your take on all that? Yeah, you know, I you, you know you mentioned that we're getting toward the end of the summer, and I know over the summer we've talked a lot about the cost of you know stadiums to public funds, and you know that that spans all sports, and so it seems to me a little bit like with you know what these leagues and teams take out of public funding, um, and what they sort of need from public to to keep the support going. There's almost like an obligation on their part to launch programs like this, not only to remain relevant and to, um, you know, appeal to parents, but also just to kind of give back a little bit. Do you feel kind of like there is this sort of pressure and this sort of impetus on these teams to to keep up kind of the the good works, as it were? Well, partially, but it's I think it's a little more than that. The one is Everybody, even with the help of this one-and-done wildcard two-team addition in each league, isn't always in the pennant race. There are teams that are hopelessly behind. Philadelphia is a good example. And you got to keep interest going during the summer and fall with teams who are important, but nobody's going to just go to the games to follow them on the field. They're losers. So it's a good example of making sure that there's a program where it's front and center. And then the other piece, I think, is the whole digital component. Deverify is one of the world's leaders. They put this educational program together. They reach public schools. They reach government agencies. And I think it's not just the obligation. You are correct. But I think it's a little more than that. I think it's uh, making sure that baseball continues its marketing pressure whenever they can. Yeah, that makes. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's. It seems like it's sort of a win for Everfy as much as it is um, just a smart move on on the part of of Major League Baseball. But I don't know about you, but I'm with Mets performing the way they are. I'm a little bit done with baseball. I kind of want to talk about football. Yeah. Well, listen. I wanted to make sure that we started with baseball and got out out of the way. Yes. You know, your Mets are a just a uh, a poster boy for the uh, proposition that, you know, money can't always buy happiness. I'm not Aww. even going to get you the opportunity to respond. We're going to go right to football. Okay, is that okay? Is that acceptable <laughs> that was, to you? That was smart on, on your part. Yeah, yes, please. Yeah, football, let's good, go. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, it, it is interesting. There are some teams 
we ought to focus our spotlight on. We'll focus more as we go forward, obviously, for the rest of the year. Jaguars play an annual game in London. They're trying to parlay it into not just being London's team, because the Jaguars are not the only team that Britain follows, but there is a company called LGT Vestra U.S. It's a firm that targets Americans living in Europe. And the Jaguars have cut a sponsorship deal with them only related to the games that the Jaguars play in London, just like they cut deals with uh, with uh, uh, Visit Florida and U.S. Assure Insurance in Florida and in the U.S. to cover the sponsorship of the games they play in London for U.S. teams. So it's a good example, I think, of the Jaguars being really resourceful and trying to pick up as much money as they can. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's, I, it is a, a piece of evidence that perhaps these sort of London games, which for a while seemed sort of almost like glorified exhibition games, uh, but it is a little piece of evidence that maybe this is working, at least from a financial standpoint. And, you know, I know why the Jaguars want to play in London. Historically speaking, they tend to play better once they get back. I don't know if it's the jet lag that does it for them, but, you know, whenever whenever they get back from London, they tend to play better. I'm still a little bit of a skeptic. I feel like maybe the NFL is is just stretching themselves too thin still with this. You know, you've got lots of evidence to show that youth participation in football is on the decline. I want to know, I mean, from your perspective, are they just, is this just kind of a pipe dream and they're stretching themselves too thin? Well, it's a very good point, but the NFL is trying to do what baseball and hockey and basketball are doing, which is get global revenues. Mm -hmm. The difference is, Football is inherently an American sport. The other football predominates the world, the one with the round ball. So they've got a lot of ways to go with this. They are playing games at the new stadium that Tottenham uses, the new London Stadium. They're playing their games at Wembley. They are having regular season games, as we know, in Mexico City and in Canada. They're doing flag football in China. So in totality, the NFL International guys would say we're certainly not spreading ourselves too thin. It's just another way to keep our pulse on the global landscape yet Mm -hmm. you know your point is really important they got to keep the eye on the bigger ball which is youth participation and we will cover that i think probably next week or the week after because it is the huge elephant elephant in the room and something the founding fathers of the nfl you know concern themselves with and i guess the segue is speaking of founding fathers you know dan rooney who was the longtime Steelers owner. He passed this year. And the, 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 the info or the breaking news is that the NFL will not force or even persuade or, or, or desire that the Steelers restructure. The Roonies are part of the 19 men listed in the ownership group they control. Dan Rooney Jr. will insert himself in this group. The Roonies are certainly... NFL's first family from stability's perspective. So I guess the news in Pittsburgh is that the Steelers make no news. As long as you're keeping your fan base happy, I think you're made in the shade. Obviously, that the Steelers are, you know, every year they're possible Super Bowl contenders. So as much as it pains me to to talk about anything related to the Pitts, Pittsburgh Steelers as a dynasty, yeah, they absolutely are. Um, I don't like to draw comparisons, you know, between leagues, but as we saw with sort of the, the runaway price tag with, with the Marlins, in a lot of ways, I think being a franchise owner, no matter what the sport is, is never been hotter than ever. So I would be surprised if the Roonies make a move to sell anytime soon. And they are community first, so I think they're pretty safe to stay for 
as long as they want, uh, and certainly Pittsburgh loves them as well. You mentioned Miami with the Marlins. Good segue to the Dolphins. They signed Jay Cutler, yes. $10 million one-year contract. They still have Ryan Tannehill on their roster. To me, as a Dolphin fan, but also a business guy who knows Steve Ross, the owner, it's a self-preservation perspective. they got the Super Bowl coming up in two years. They're redoing the uh, sweet leases for the new stadium renovation that's just been finished. They went to the playoffs last year. Can't afford not to. Cutler is a student of Adam Gaze's system, the head coach. So makes a lot of sense, even though it may not be a big number for Cutler. It's an interesting move. Yeah, I, oh gosh, I'm, if I were a Dolphins fan, I would be, unhappy right now to have your quarterback in be injured in the preseason and then you got a guy who you're dragging out of retirement and you're paying him 10 million dollars and i i don't know (laughs) i for your sake i hope this works out for you but gosh that would make me real nervous (laughs) well but i will tell you this as a dolphin fan i am ecstatic because a week ago you didn't know what was going to happen that's true and now at least there is hope with matt moore as the starter and jay cutler as the quote, co-starter right now, for some real competition for a guy who's dragged out of mothballs, but it's Adam Gaze's mothballs. And again, the most important issue here is that it renewed some excitement in South Florida, which was very important from the business perspective. And now we'll segue from excitement. Today is all about segues. So we're going to North Carolina. Be there on Friday. Saturday, we have a big Facebook that we're going to do with PGA of America President Pete Bavacqua and others, which we will have distributed on Saturday and Sunday. But the bigger issue is the 99th PGA Championship is taking place at Quail Hollow this week. Golf participation is up. There are 50 million uh, Americans who play on a regular basis, 6 million millennials who play more than 15 rounds a year. There are new kids that are coming up to play. I know you're not a golfer, but it sounds like the business is looking pretty good. It does. And, you know, we've, uh, you know, we've discussed, I think, you know, over the course of, of the summer again, you know, kind of what the future of the sport is and who's the next tiger and, and what's going to happen next. And, you know, I think it's been a really exciting season for golf. I think that Roy McIlroy, certainly Jordan Spieth, they both just, you know, had phenomenal storylines this summer. So I'm excited to see what happens next year. And I know we have a little bit of breaking news. I'll let you do the honors, though. Well, yeah, the breaking news is that for the first time, we have an announcement that the PGA Championship will move to uh, May beginning in 2019. Right. That's largely because they want to make sure they get out of removed from the clutter. It's been golf's final major. Now the British Open will be golf's final major of the year. They want to make sure they don't compete with the FedEx Cup or the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, and they're doing a good job. What the end of the day in golf is, is it's all about sponsors, and it's all about how they feel about the world of golf. There is no bigger marketing company, of course, or product company than Walmart. And Dan Bartlett, who's the EVP of Corporate Affairs for Walmart, responsible for all government relations and public policy. He's a Hilda Knowlton guy. He came up from the PR side. He was also counselor to President George W. Bush in 2007, so he understands the politics. He's a Longhorn, Texas Longhorn, in, in Razorback country, but he's the point guy on the Northwest Arkansas uh, classic and championship presented by Walmart, the LPGA event, uh, the whole world of Walmart, what they do. Uh, clearly, it's important that we dust off an interview that we did at the LPGA event a month ago, but really relevant 
Golf Week this week because it gives you a perspective of not only why a company like Walmart would stake its name to a golf tournament, but why the golf business moves the needle when corporate dollars are concerned, especially in golf. Dan Bartlett. We're here at the Walmart Northwest Arkansas Championship presented by P&G. I finally got it out correctly in front of the guy that I need to. There are so many sponsors to this event, and obviously Walmart first and foremost on it. But let's remember something. This is not an event that is a typical run-of-the-mill golf tournament. This is a textbook example of how you build enduring partnership to affect social change. And Dan Bartlett, the EVP of Corporate Affairs for Walmart, he's the guy that's basically driving this that drives other things. Thank you very much. So the resume, the, the bio, is responsible for government relations, public policy, corporate communications, philanthropy, the company social responsibility and sustainability initiatives that's all <laughs> you know what else is there to do uh it, it, it's a it's an incredible uh privilege to be able to represent the company in more than 28 countries around the world and uh we have many stakeholders as you can probably imagine uh from government to ngos to community leaders and uh our opportunity for example for this tournament is is really special well and and frankly you have a very unique experience coming into this perspective it was obviously at the white house and also hill and knowlton and not only at the at the white house but counselor to, to george w bush uh in july 2007 and otherwise so you've basically seen it all but yet i see a special twinkle in your eye about this tournament why is that well, it's, it's, you know, being an avid golfer myself, I have young boys that are into golf. Um, the way that the life lessons that golf can teach young people and, and the way that they can be role models in communities and, and really be a part of the fabric of the community is something that's always been personally uh, interesting to me. And it also fits very nicely for what Walmart considers itself as a member of the community. So we, we really believe it's a perfect fit. Well, let's talk about Walmart's perspective on this. They have been involved since day one. They're 11 years in this. They've taken the title for the last few years. Taking the title is almost a derogatory term because it's not that. You're a partner. You're, you're, a, you're a friend of the event, and you and, and Octagon and, I guess, to a lesser extent, or early P&G and then Tyson and other built something really special in this community. Give me the evolutionary history of it. Well, it's just that. It's something that, you know, sports – uh, events are not something that were instinctively things that Walmart has done. But when we looked at this at face value, said, what better way for us to give back to this local community? And despite how big we are and how many countries we're in, over 2 million employees around the world, it really all does start here in Northwest Arkansas, where the founders were from, where this company really got its start. And for us to be able to give back in a way and open up a, a first-class event uh, like this of world-class professionals was something that we saw as a as a um, as a no-brainer. Now it has evolved into something where we were just putting on a golf tournament to now the community engagement throughout the week, even before the tees, fly, you know, the balls fly on the first day, has been the part that we're really proud of, and uh, and that's something we'll continue to build on each year with Octagon. It is only humility to suggest that Sam Walton and others, because they live here, that's why the tournament is here. There are a lot of national, international headquarters, Safeco just terminated its naming deal in Seattle, who decide that they're here, but they only want to have a minimal investment. So it's coupled with the geographic proximity, but also a tremendous vision about what an event like this can do in the future. Well, that's, that's exactly right. And the fact that the LPGA really is an embodiment of world-class professionals around the world. And like I said, we are, while we're 
located in this little small niche here in the United States, we extend across uh, several continents. And for us to be able to extend uh, our reach through this tournament to reach people maybe otherwise who wouldn't think about Walmart was a unique opportunity. Global social engagement defined as sustainability, hunger eradication, and female empowerment. You can't do that overnight. That's a pretty lofty set of goals. No, it is. And it's something that for the last, you know, I would say, you know, 15 years or so, we've gotten really serious about it. We understand that not only do we provide a, a I, we think, a good social benefit of bringing low prices to everyday Americans, the fact of the matter is companies are expected to do more, and we take that responsibility seriously. And so whether it's what we're doing to train and empower women around the world, in factories around the world, in our supply chain, or whether it's using the very scale and logistics that we have to drive efficiencies that can take um, greenhouse gases out of the air and do things to leave a better footprint than what we had before, is something we think is very natural to our business. Yet you read textbooks about sports marketing. You don't see a lot about Walmart. But... This event is a textbook example of what to do and how to create an event that transcends sports. What's so special about this event? I, the growth that we've seen over the course of 11 years is fantastic. And I, one of the things, and I've been involved in other sporting events, particularly the PGA Tour, the accessibility of the LPGA Tour and the engagement of the players, and that's been the real validator that I've seen is that the way they um, get really excited about coming to Northwest Arkansas. They see this as an, a special event. It's not a major, but it's a special event on the calendar. And we think that's because <clears throat> the small role we're playing with other partners like P&G, but the community has just put their arms around this event in a way that I don't think we could have really foreseen many years ago. I assume it also helps that you've got a commissioner like Mike Wan who's committed to adding 70,000 new girls to the golf course every year, plus somebody like Andy Bush and Octagon who have a uh, partnership entrepreneurial mentality to pull this off as well. They do. They make it, it doesn't feel like a transactional relationship. It does feel like one big family, which is fantastic. And I also personally serve on the national first tee board. And so I came out yesterday because the local chapter of the first tee had all young girls out here with the players. And to see them come out and in such big numbers and engage with the tour players, I mean, these are things that, like I said, if you're going to say as a company that you're truly part of the fabric of community, what better way to, to display that than an event like this? I'm told that there's a published report that says that you have um, the region has over a thousand supplier offices that are directly related to Walmart. That's a wonderful thought from a business perspective. We can go there. Yeah. But how do you decide who gets in the program or not? <laughs> I think uh, you probably talked to Mark Henneberger. He's got. I try to. I try to stay out of. You know, I've done. I've done with yeah. politics before. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of politics. I don't want no, to do with. By the way, it's the worst kind of politics. It's the worst right? kind of politics. It is an. It's, it is a unique ecosystem that exists here. Some would even call it an anomaly for this part of the country because all of these suppliers we have here. Sometimes we argue there's kind of an expat community that lives here, and you can run into people from all around the world because those suppliers, typically Walmart is one of their largest, if not largest, clients. And so they want to be close to the business, but it's created this dynamic community and, and, and one that made it natural for us to be able to uh, engage in a tournament like this. And like I said, I have a two-day uh, pro-am uh, because there's so much demand to play with these young ladies. Do you remember the show West Wing? I've heard about it. Yeah. yeah, you have. Of course you have. You know it's coming, don't you? A little bit. Yeah. So am I supposed to ask that question? Because I'm going to ask it anyway. So well, it was a question from Tim Russert. I think I can handle you. All right. Yeah, you can. You <laughs> definitely can. Look, yeah. So the bottom line is this is an amazing show. My family watches it. 
And the president's name is Bartlett. Any any relation? It's funny you say that. He, they named it after the former governor of New Hampshire. Right. And I have done, we've done the kind of the, the look back, and apparently there is some uh, ancestry there that I'm connected to the former governor of New Hampshire and the person that they named after. So uh, a small tie there. The, the answer is yes. And he probably knows exactly the relationship, but he's not going to disclose it. Yeah. Now, here's the next question, which now is... I was. I, I did get a chance to meet who Toby, the one with the beard. Yeah, that, right. that was my kind of the person who had my role in the, in the White House. And uh, he came to Washington many years ago during one of those big media events and I uh, had a chance to spend some time with him which was kind of neat to see the guy on TV who played the role that I had. What, what do you think is more pressure deciding who gets in this program or or actually sitting at the White House on a day-to-day basis? Um, look I mean it's, it is apples and oranges in many respects. Um, I tell you though it's interesting it's I tell people a lot of times working at Walmart's like my second stint in government because it's like a little country here as as big as we are. Um, but you know, look, it, like I said, the politics of golf sometimes can be more difficult than the mess we see up in Washington. I, I'll, I'll say this, my political experience looks better in the rearview mirror. That's an interesting comment. And by the way, we will not go there. A, we don't have enough time and we're just not going there. So the other thing quickly is a lot of it's anecdotal. A lot of it is strategic. Some of it is metrics, but we're not going to get into that. At the end of the day and at the end of a tournament like this on a weekly basis, how do you measure success? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you know, there are the obvious metrics of the gate and how many people are coming in, and each year it grows in numbers. And so we're, we're, we're mindful of that. Like I said, the validation that comes from the players, from our partners, the community partners. And each year we evaluate it, and it's been a pretty easy decision to say, let's re-up again because the return on investment, so to speak, is one that um, is everlasting here in the community. And again, the one of the other uniquenesses here is the Arkansas Council and the Walmarts, the PMGs, and the Kimberly Clarks and the the, the Tysons and Octagon. It, it I would assume at the end of a of a year, it's not are we going to continue, but how do we make it better? That is the case. You know, obviously we are all under uh, demands of P and Ls and those things, so we have to go through a process. But it is a pretty you know easy process because the results have just been fantastic, and so. I'm also excited about how entrepreneurial that Octagon is about this, that each time we come up with a new way to engage the community, a way that makes this a distinct tournament compared to everything else the ladies will see on tour. And I got one final question. How do you explain yourself? You're a Longhorn in Razorback country. How did that happen? <sighs> Trust me, I'm a, I'm a lone voice here. And the harder part for me is to make sure none of my young four boys flip on me so you know we have to keep the apparel we have to represent as often as possible the challenge has been is the Razorbacks have been playing better in sports than the Longhorns have as of recent so we got to turn the tide there um, but I remember it was two years ago I think they uh, Arkansas beat Texas in a bowl game and my kids got hazed at school and uh, we got roused pretty hard so I get I get routinely um, and I've even there's a bet that whether I'll wear a Razorback shirt tomorrow in, the, in our pro-am I'll bring and, news to you uh, that's the answer. That's probably more important than anything else is here, ladies and gentlemen. Dan Bartlett, EVP Corporate Affairs, Walmart. Big deal, big event, big contribution. Thanks for listening to this edition of Keeping Score. I'm Rick Harrell. The producer of the show, Alex Cohen. Associate producer, Bethel Hopte. Assistance provided by Tanner Simpkins and Carlos Waddick. And the executive editor of Reuters Digital, Dan Colarusso.